That's on a how boat. I do everything. I just <laughs> yay myself out of bed. <laughs> I admire your spunk. <laughs> some days you yeet and some days you're yeeted. <laughs> Put that on my hands <laughs> when I die. Well, hello. Hello. Wow, episode four. Welcome. We This is the end of our first cycle our of topics. Cycle. Yeah. Yes. Like a song cycle, but a The moon podcast. phase. It's our first phase. Oh, yeah. Wow. Wow. That's exciting. So four, back for more. This week, Elizabeth and I, this is Margo, by the way. And I'm Elizabeth. Hi. Uh, We will be doing our wild card. So this is, you know, as it sounds, we kind of talk about whatever. It can be completely random, whether it's a conspiracy or something that we found really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be zany. Yeah. So if you have listened to our other stories, welcome back. If you are new, welcome. We're really happy to have you. I will go ahead and light the candle. And in the meantime, can you tell me about how your week has been do you want to tell me what has kept you up well one thing that's kept me up actually is another update on my tulsa race massacre story okay this is like continuously being updated but it's cool my my dad actually sent me an article yesterday so thank you shout out to my parents for listening (laughs) um (laughs) and it is about it came out yesterday that a mass grave was found (gasps) Oh my gosh, with wait, with the like uh GPS thingy they were doing? The like ground sonar thing. That's the sonar, yeah, not I, GPS. I don't know. I I assume so. Yeah, they found a mass grave in the Oakland Cemetery in Tulsa that has at least ten coffins in it. Oh. But they haven't like looked in any of them yet or anything, and they, they can't confirm yet that the victims or the people in the mass grave were victims of the massacre, but they're working on it. Okay. So there's some progress happening there. There you have it, folks. Yeah. A hundred years later. A hundred years later. Huh. It's like SpongeBob. 10,000 years later. <laughs> or whatever the voice is. I don't know. <laughs> <sighs> what about you? We already talked about The Bachelor. We did watch The Bachelor at episode yes. two. Yeah. This might just turn into a bachelorette podcast. <laughs> no, I will not let that happen. <laughs> I don't. What has kept me up? I impulse, impulsively, impulse purchased a bunch of candles. Oh yeah, the witch candles. Yeah, I should not have done. I feel like Hagrid. I should not have done that. Um, <laughs> what else has kept me up? I don't know. I guess just doing research for the podcast. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about what your topic is because I have no idea what it is. Well, you you will, I guess. Yeah. I don't. It's probably not that interesting. Hey, you never know. I find everything interesting. Thank you. I literally went down a rabbit hole on Wikipedia about tomatoes the other day. She did. She did. She was. I, I thought we were done with the conversation. <laughs> and then three minutes later, she's like, Did you know it was a berry? <laughs> like, okay, guys, tomatoes are technically a berry. 
The word. Okay. Do you want to light the candle? I just don't want to set it on okay, fire. Go, go ahead. No, no. Tell oh, us about okay. tomatoes. And the word tomato comes from uh, an, oh gosh, I think Pueblo word for, it was like tomato. <laughs> and when they came to Europe, like when colonizers brought tomatoes back to Europe and then that eventually spread around the world, people... Like in Italy, where tomatoes are well known in the cuisine nowadays, thought that they were poisonous, so they didn't eat them and only grew them as ornamental plants for like a couple of centuries. And then at some point, centuries. Like, yeah, at some point they're like, oh, I guess these are fine. <laughs> okay, I, I, I want to know who figured that out. I want to know who was like, I dare you to eat it or, <laughs> or yeah. whatever, and was like, you know, guys, it's not that bad. <laughs> it tastes good. It tastes good. <laughs> Oh, that, oh, wow. Okie dokie. Um, Are you going first? I think I am going first this week. Okay, tell me. Okay. What's your favorite shape? Oh, gosh. Well, like, in what, just in general? Just in general. I kind of like rapazoids. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's a trapezoid. not a rapazoid that's not a shape oh my that's god that's like someone who's like my soundcloud is just just came out <laughs> okay. okay well <laughs> i like trapezoids because i like the word no i mean i, I respect the trapezoid so i like trapezoids (laughs) Um, because i like the word trapezoid but i also like circles and triangles and squares i don't don't know i don't know what's what's your favorite shape i like triangles probably from like harry potter and the deathly hallows Mm. and originally before harry potter came out the legend of zelda Mm. I don't know. I just like that they can be equal or Mm -hmm. they can be isosceles or. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to play another game, I guess. Okay. When I say the word mythical, what do Uh you what do you think of? I think of unicorns. Mm -hmm. Okay. And dragons. Sure. Okay, cool. Good, 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 good. If I say the word Atlantic Ocean, what do you think of? The Atlantic Ocean. Mermaids? <laughs> Are we on the mythical thing? Cold ocean. Okay, cool. What if I were to tell you that there is a mythical part of the Atlantic Ocean? Like Atlantis? Damn it, I should have done that. No, I'm, I'm talking about <laughs> what's known as the Devil's Triangle, a.k.a. the Bermuda Triangle. Ooh. Okay. I should have done Atlantis. No, okay. the, but, well, but, oh. I, I oh. don't know anything about the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> okay, so the Devil's Triangle, or also known as the Bermuda Triangle, is indeed a mysterious, mystical, and unknown part of the Atlantic Ocean, which is bound by Miami, Bermuda, and Puerto Rico. I mean, anything weird that happens in the U.S. happens in Florida. <laughs> you're you're <laughs> so, not wrong. <laughs> Am so, I surprised? No. Florida man. Personally, the ocean is terrifying to me. It's just too mysterious. I don't like open water. 
I don't like what not knowing what's under me. I think Elizabeth and I have that in common. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't like murky lakes. Right. Mm-mm. Yeah. But if uh, something touches my feet. Oh, no. Anyway, uh, there is an area of the Atlantic Ocean where dozens of ships and airplanes have disappeared under mysterious circumstances. Ooh. Now, of course, the Bermuda Triangle, it covers over 500,000 square miles. So naturally, the area around the triangle has a lot of traffic. So whether that's ships coming in or airplanes flying over it, your typical tropical cruise. Um, I mean, obviously, there's there's no yellow tape blocking it off. But there is something to say about all the various disappearances. Mm-hmm. Some say it's paranormal. Some say it's extraterrestrial. I will let you decide. But keep in mind, there are a lot of incidents that are pretty suspicious, and there is, like, a pattern of them. So, by extraterrestrial, do you mean aliens? I do. Oh, my God. Okay. So, the first record of this mysterious shape was when (laughs) a really awful person named Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue. So, when he was on his original voyage, according to History.com, he reported to see a great ball of fire, which was most likely a meteor. That crashed into the sea one night, and there was a peculiar light for a few weeks thereafter. Ominous. Very ominous. He also noted about erratic compass readings. So his, like, compass was spinning all over the place, or, like, it it wouldn't, like, point north or whatever it would be. He also said the water was a lot choppier in this area, which, I mean... The weather's unpredictable, as mm-hmm. as you know. We live in Chicago. We get all four seasons in a day. It was also said that William Shakespeare based his play The Tempest on a real shipwreck in the Bermuda area. So, quote-unquote, may have enhanced the area's aura of mystery. Regardless of what these old guys say, the buzz and reports of these unexplained disappearances don't didn't really get momentum until the 20th century. And apparently, between... 1946 and 1991, there have been over 100 disappearances of ships and planes. Is that unusual compared to, like, other areas? So, not necessarily. You know, the the buzz on the Bermuda Triangle, so, like, if something happens, it's more likely to be heard than if it's, like, oh, a ship wrecked in the middle of the sea. Okay, I got you. So... That was a good question. So I'm going to talk about the first infamous mysterious tragedy. In March 1918, the USS Cyclops was a 542-foot-long Navy cargo ship, and it was carrying over 300 men and 10,000 long tongues of manganese, which is used to produce manunition, and it completely vanished without a trace. What's wild is the Cyclops never sent out an SOS, even though it could have. It had, like, the ability to signal for help, and it's a big ship. Like, if it was going to go down, like, Titanic style, it would have taken a while, you know? And additionally, there were a a lot of other ships in the area, so they could have signaled for help if if something was awry. And typically, if there was bad weather, they would have called for help. Additionally, you know, other ships were kind of checking like where it was, whether it was a a different Navy ship or other ships in the area, but the captain did not respond to any other calls. They did extensive searches and they could not find any trace of the ship. And it was a big ass ship. Like, wow. So they, they never found it or any of the men that were on the ship. That's so weird. Even President Wilson later said, only God and the sea know what happened to the great ship. In June of 1919, 
the Navy declared it to be officially lost and all hands deceased. Wow. Years later, in 1941, two of the sister ships of the Cyclops vanished in a similar way while on essentially the same route. What? And again, they vanished without a trace, like nothing, and they didn't find anything of the ships. Because like in the 40s, they had radios and stuff, right? Right. Like it was a little bit different than- And radar and stuff. Yeah. So- Pretty wild. Eventually, a pattern starts to form where vessels would be traveling within the triangle and they would poof, they would disappear and they would be, or they would be found, but like it would be completely abandoned. Like you would find the ship, but no one would be there. As previously mentioned, similarly to the other, to the Cyclops. There were no distress signals, and they were never, any of the crew was never seen or heard from again. So the crew. So ne- it was probably mermaids? It was mermaids. You know, they, the sirens or whatever. Yeah. So, like I mentioned, this would typically rule out bad weather because if you do tend to be in distress or if something's not working, you're more likely to signal for help. And it was just like nothing. Just these ships are just straight yeah. up. Just jump, literally jump ship. Jump ship. Additionally, there was also Flight 19. Have you ever heard of Flight 19? No. Okay. Let me tell you. So on December 5th, 1945, Flight 19 was a routine training mission of five Avenger torpedo bombers. The the type of plane that they were driving was the Navy's top submarine and, and ship killer. So a group of five Navy bombers carrying 14 men, there were three seats, her vessel. Mm-hmm. They left Flor- Lauderdale, Florida, to do some practice bombing. The routine training was only supposed to be a three-hour exercise. The weather was fair. They had checks before they set off, so there was nothing wrong with with the planes or anything. Along the way, Lieutenant Charles C. Taylor reported his compass was failing, and they thought they were going in the wrong direction. And he's a lieutenant, you know. It's not like he's he mm-hmm. just was like, "I'm gonna fly today." Well, this plane looks nice. Well, that looks mighty fine. I mean, it was the 40s. I don't know. Why are we Southern? Is it because we're in Florida now? (laughs) Are are people in Florida Southern? Do they talk like that? That's the only accent I know how to do accurately. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. So after he reported that he felt something was off, he instructed his crew to fly northeast thinking they were heading towards Florida, but they were actually flying deeper out to sea. And as Oof. they got closer to the Bermuda Triangle, their signal started to fail, and eventually they were never seen or heard from again. Now, oh here's what's super eerie, is they actually have the recording of the last communication with Flight 19. And it was, quote, We can't find West. Everything is wrong. We can't be sure of any direction. Everything looks strange, even the ocean. And then it was followed by, we can't make anything out. I think we are 225 miles northeast of base. It looks like we're entering white water. We're completely lost. And then they were never heard from again. Oh, my God. The same day, a rescue plane sent out to find them, and that too disappeared. What? Yeah. Like, so that's four planes, right? Six planes. What? Oh, yeah. In one day. Were there submarines involved as well? Because they were like submarine bomber planes? So, I mean, it could have been, but there was no reported U.S. ships or anything um, involved at the time. So, I mean, maybe it was like a secret mission or or something, but, you know, it was just supposed to be a practice course and the rescue plane disappeared too. 
So there was no wreckage found. None of the men were ever seen again. And it's so mind-boggling that the Navy report officially said it's as if they had flown to Mars. And wow. on BuzzFeed Unsolved, they said, the Navy reported, we, we can't even make a good guess as to what happened. Wow, that's crazy. I know. They, like, can't even guess. They, oh they're God. like, the fuck if I know. Me out. Super wild. So maybe, maybe it was, like, some kind of test that went wrong. Who knows? Yeah. So some other incidents were... In 1946, a plane carrying 26 passengers never arrived to their destination after the pilot had recorded that they were only 50 miles away and they radioed to Miami for landing instructions. Whoa. So they're like, all right, we're about 50 miles out. We're getting ready to land. What do you need us to do? Silence after that. Just so weird. Gone. Do planes nowadays still fly over that area? So, yes, I mean, it. it is like a big, like I said, tourist area. It's, you know, near the Bahamas or anything. So I can show mm-hmm. you like where it is on a map. Okay. So, I mean, that's the big mystery though. Like, it, was it something with the time? Was it, are they more so avoiding it now? It, it's, there's like a lot of different theories as to mm-hmm. what it could be. So in 1967, a cabin cruiser named the Witchcraft <laughs> Already a bad idea. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The witchcraft set off near Miami. Later on, the Coast Guard received a call that it needed to be towed. It it wasn't damaged, but they hit something and they wouldn't be able to complete their voyage. And they were about a mile away from Miami. So it wasn't sinking. The, The captain was extremely calm. So the Coast Guard set off immediately, but they never found the boat. The area was completely deserted. It's not like they had other boats in the area. There was no signs of being stranded. And there were many life-saving devices on board. So whether it was emergency boats or life jackets or flares, none of them were used. None of them were found. They searched a 100-square-mile radius over the next couple days, and nope. Wow. To this day, no remains of the ship or the people on board were found. And this was another ship that was supposed to be unsinkable, like the Titanic. <laughs> well, we all know how that goes. Next time someone is like, yeah, it's unsinkable, I'm going to be like, nope, I'm, <laughs> give me the life raft. It, the list goes on. There's tons of them that have been reported. I, I could go on, but I didn't want to like fill up the whole time uh, mm-hmm. talking about it. So th- there's a couple of weird theories to what it could be. One is aliens. Uh-huh. It, it could be they are abducting people at this area or you know that it's whole boats whole boats you know they gotta experiment on it and see what goes on another could be sea monsters maybe the kraken hang out there i don't know there could be time warps or reverse gravity fields or what's a reverse gravity field it i guess it's like essentially like a black hole oh or, or like a portal yeah to another dimension yeah isn't that cool (laughs) they played the elevator game and they ended up in the oh god it could also be the city of atlantis yeah i mean sure yeah um so so do they all live in atlantis now like with the mermaids i mean that's a theory uh and they talked about that on buzzfeed unsolved i couldn't find like a source that really talked about that according to legend the the city was thriving it had technology beyond anything you know we could even imagine and it 
it disappeared one day, you know, so maybe it was built on that foundation. They also mentioned that there was a writer who had a theory that their devices were so advanced at the time that when the city sank, the devices are still there and that's what's causing like things to malfunction. That That's sort of the like more paranormal or like unexplained sources mm-hmm. of it. Now I'm going to debunk some of it with science. Okay. I know it's not as fun, <laughs> but the Gulf Stream can cause rapid and violent storms and changes in bad weather within with a drop of a dime. So water spouts, deep trenches in the ocean, there's there's no evidence the amount of missing ships or planes are higher than any other parts of the ocean. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like the stigma of like, oh, Bermuda Triangle, like crazy, it's supernatural. But it, it does seem like... The way that they disappear is weird. Right. Like, typically, if a boat sinks, like, you're able to find something or whatever it may be. So, it's definitely mysterious how they all just kind of vanish. Additionally, it is the place where on compasses, it points true north instead of my magnetic north. So, they kind of come together. So, it, like, kind of alters the compass like the magnetic fields do. So, that could be why you know, technology breaks down or compasses don't work or, like, things go kind of haywire. Business Insider also says that it's due to shallow water and methane gas because there's, like, volcano under the ocean. It could just be, like, eruptions. So it, like, creates mud or, like, it creates, like, a gas bubble and, like, like makes the ship sink. I hope I'm explaining that right. That's, like... Almost as weird as, like, supernatural stuff, right. honestly. So that's terrifying, too. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine, like, there's all the scary stuff in the ocean, and now there's, like, methane bubbles that are going to, like, pull you down? <laughs> what? Just when you thought you were going to go for a nice little snorkel, it's like, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, methane bursts can create sinkholes, I guess. Additionally, it could just be human error. You know, they miscalculated something or... You know, the tune-up wasn't correct or whatever it may be. It just seems a little too odd to me that yeah, it can just disappear without a trace. And additionally, it's kind of a lot of these started being reported around the time of the wars. So like in World War One and World War Two. Mm-hmm. So it could just be like, you know, they were captured or it was, um, you know, sunk by an enemy. So regardless of if it's just a bunch of coincidences or whatever your theory may be, the ocean still terrifies me. The ocean is a beautiful, mysterious, unforgiving thing. And I try to look up quotes about the ocean to like end it on, but all of them are so cheesy. Like, you can't stop the waves, but you can learn how to surf. (laughs) Okay. Oh, wow. (laughs) I'm moved. Yeah. So that's the Bermuda Triangle. It's just... A lot of weird coincidences. You could go down a bunch of rabbit holes on all the disappearances that have gone down. So there are a bunch of wild theories about what it could be. I'll let you decide. So that's the Bermuda Triangle. I hope you enjoyed it. It was kind of short. I didn't really go into depth on a lot of things. Okay, no, that was really interesting. Like, I I really want to know, like, have people done experiments that's what I kind of wondered, too, because I've heard the expression, if you mess with Mother Nature, she messes back harder, or, you know, mm. if there was a battle and they wanted to cover it, like, who knows? You know, we mm-hmm. really we really don't. So that is definitely something that has kept me up at night. I first 
heard about the Bermuda Triangle on like Discovery Kids or whatever back when I had TiVo as a child. Oh, Discovery Kids. Yeah. And I don't know. I think I, the ocean is just very mysterious. It, same with space. But yeah, I thought it was definitely interesting. So definitely worth checking out if you have your own theory on what it could be, whether it's science or supernatural let us know email us at the insomnia report at gmail.com yeah seriously so uh, thanks for listening do you want to tell me a wild card yeah i do this one does actually contain murders so i apologize in advance tell me tell me tell well me. some of the things you said in your um story kind of predicted this the bermuda the devil's triangle well shape rhombuses oh yes i'm gonna rapis, rapis, rapis you know to, <laughs> oh yeah that's what that's what i did i mashed up rhombus and trapezoid a rapazoid. <laughs> i want you to tell me what comes to mind when you hear the word puritans witchcraft ah you, you beat me to it wait really yeah nice are you talking about the salem yeah, yeah. Oh my god, I thought about doing that. I'm glad I switched. Really? Oh my yeah. god, that would have been so funny. I figured it was like too close to my last Halloween story. Yeah. So, so I decided to pick yay, up on I'm your so excited. Oh my god, yay! <laughs> Look at that guy. Wow. Oh my god. In sync. In Synergy sync. or whatever. Yeah. So Puritans. Where where even to begin with Puritans? I feel like our whole country like still retains a lot of Puritan like ideas well just like the way that the u.s like our attitudes on like sexuality religion and state and all those roles i just yeah it's endured it's endured sure so the puritans the puritans came to north america from england a ship they came on a ship they did. Okay. They they swam actually. <laughs> they took the Bermuda Triangle portal. <laughs> oh, right. It's God's work. <laughs> Please God open this portal for us so well, that we that... may go to the new world. <laughs> was that back when Pangeo was closer together? Maybe it wasn't a long <laughs> swim. <laughs> uh I don't think so, but you know. I don't know. What do I know? <laughs> Who knows any? I mean, you know, some people think the earth's flat, so, you know. They could have walked. They could have walked. They could have pole vaulted. <laughs> From England to Massachusetts. <laughs> this has been a heck of a pole. <laughs> Alley oop. So the Puritans. Cannonball. <laughs> <laughs> they cannonballed. <laughs> Okay, so so the Puritans, when they were in England, felt persecuted for their religion, being like ultra-conservative Christians, I guess, non-Catholic Christians, so they yeeted themselves <laughs> to North America. Okay, so imagine you are Puritan. Yeah, already it's like, it's Shit. a lot. But in the late 17th century, in colonial New England, like, what do you think, like, as a woman... What do you think your life looks like? I have no rights. I am only good for to have tiny <laughs> humans or yeah. to like wash clothes and churn butter. That's right. Is that it? 
And yeah, witchcraft. that's it. Okay. And witchcraft. All those things plus witchcraft. That's that's what the Puritans... That's Puri- what the Puritans were doing, the women. Essentially, back in the Puritan days, women had no rights, and mm-hmm. they were probably, you know, they all probably smelled awful. Yeah. And, like, in this sense, I kind of think of... Okay, this is going to sound kind of bad, but, like... I think of these Puritan communities as kind of like cults. A hundred percent. Where they were like super strict and like drank the, they drank the Kool-Aid, if you will, or the Rite-Aid, sorry. <laughs> the Flavor-Aid? A oh, Flavor-Aid. God was it Flavor-Aid or Rite-Aid? It's Flavor-Aid. It's Flavor-Aid. Okay. Yeah. What, what flavor do you think it was? Probably grape, because that's the worst flavor. Oh, I don't mind grape. Oh, what's, what's your least favorite? Probably cherry. I feel like really? cherry makes me think of like cough syrup. Oh, yeah. Anyway, anyway, that was I'm a Jonestown gonna... massacre reference. Yeah, I... we'll talk to... about that later. I'm sure. <laughs> so, like, I kind of think of Puritan communities in this time period, the late 17th century in colonial New England, as like Jesus camp, where they like feed you low protein snacks <laughs> and, <laughs> and like keep you up all night and in the service of God, and it kind of brainwashes you. Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry to anyone who is so we're gonna remove that. that soapbox, <laughs> but I'm on that soapbox with you anyway. Right. Okay. So, in the late 1600s, in colonial Massachusetts, right? Mm-hmm. So there are these Puritan people. They they're like these white people who came to north america to try and quote-unquote live a better life because they were being persecuted for their religion and they believed they were on a mission from god basically that like this was their chance to like found their own little society and and like be free and whatever i can just imagine god coming down and being like i'm gonna make you an awful you can't (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna eat you (laughs) you were asking for a sign and you're about to get (laughs) yated And they did. As a preface to this story, I want to talk about the history of witchcraft in Europe. So I'm interested. Brief, just very briefly. So from the 1300s to the end of the 1600s, there was a quote unquote witchcraft craze in Europe. So that's like 400 years. Well, it was more of like people thought that everyone was a witch and mostly women so tens of thousands of witches quote-unquote witches were executed tens of thousands tens of thousands um and it's generally actually it's generally believed that about 110,000 people in total were tried for witchcraft and between 40 and 60,000 were executed what and the last person to be executed for witchcraft in europe was in switzerland in 1782 dude Yeah, so, like, that's not that long ago. So, yeah, that kind of gives you an idea of where these people are coming from, like, the the ideas about witchcraft in Europe. And then the Puritans came to North America because of religious persecution. They thought they were on a mission from God to start a new society of Puritans, I guess, and just, like, live their lives and, and hate music and dancing and fraternizing with each other because they were so strict so in colonial new england in the 17th century there's a lot of conflict in general because 
I mean, there were these white settlers, obviously, and the Native Americans were like, why are you here? Kind of like, mm, what's going on? In 1676, there was a 15-month war called King Philip's War between the settlers and the Native Americans, and it killed a third of New England's towns. I Like, they were wiped out, basically, and the economy was trashed, and 10% of the adult male population was killed. And then in 1689... So, like, 12 years later, this other war called King William's War began. Also, it was also called a French and Indian War. Um, And basically, the British colonists and the French colonists fought each other alongside their Native American allies. So, it was, like, chaotic. And everyone was fighting, and it was terrible. And so, a lot of people then moved from what is now Canada and New York to Salem Village in Massachusetts. So there were all these refugees from these wars coming in, and it was kind of straining the resources of the town. So that's the context. And it was giving rise to a lot of tensions, especially between families who were more about trading, like sea trading, and then there were like farming families, and so they were kind of like at odds with each other sort of thing. So all of this conflict was happening, and... The preachers in the community at the time, what do you think they blamed it on? Being a woman? No. Uh, Not not quite. Satan. Yes. (laughs) Not quite. (laughs) (laughs) I I have in my notes, conflict? Question mark, question mark. Must be the work of the devil. (laughs) There was a reverend in Salem in 1689 named Reverend Samuel Paris. And he was the first ordained minister in the town, and people didn't really like him that much because he was super, like, fire and brimstone, like, super rigid, but also, like, greedy and just kind of, like, not very The nice. worst kind of person. Yeah, yeah. And so the the sermons at the time were kind of, like, again, this conflict it must be the work of Satan. Like, we live in this wilderness that's that belongs to the devil and he's upset that us these godly people have moved in and that's why like all of these other people like the french and the quakers and the native americans are like fighting us because satan doesn't want us here because we're like too good and godly for him are you kidding me no and they they also thought that bad stuff that happened like bad weather and crops failing and stuff was the result of them sinning so if, yeah, so if bad things are happening, they're like, it's our fault because we're sinners. In 1641, when colonists in Massachusetts established the first legal code there, the first capital crime was idolatry, which is like worshiping false gods and stuff. And the second one is witchcraft. So it was like super on the radar. People were looking out for it. They knew about witchcraft. And the I know the symptoms. Right. Exactly. And the punishment was death. So people loved the Bible, etc. A visitor to the colony exaggerated when he reported that New Englanders could, quote, neither drive a bargain nor make a jest without a text of scripture at the end of it. So the Bible was like, they lived and breathed it. It was everything. And so here's where everything kind of starts. In January of 1692, 
Reverend Paris, the guy that people didn't really like that much, his daughter, Elizabeth, my namesake, aka Betty, she was nine, and his niece, Abigail, age 11, started having these weird fits where they would, like, scream and throw things and, like, make weird sounds and contort their bodies. It happens to everyone. Yeah, it happened point. to me when I turned 12, so. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you turn 12, you start just, like, screaming constantly (laughs) and it never stops it just moves to be an internal (laughs) (laughs) that's what being an adult is so they're screaming they're throwing things they're making weird sounds they like didn't want to pray anymore (laughs) which is kind of sad i don't want to pray i don't want to pray don't make me they cried that they were being stabbed with needles and their skin burned one of them like disappeared down a well and they had to get her out <laughs> did she just like she just like went in the well i don't did she like samara know. from the ring or did she uh, teleport there and just was like i, I don't i have no idea i found i can't get in <laughs> so there were all these weird things that were happening with them obviously obviously so throughout january and february reverend paris and the whole community prayed for a cure but nothing helped and then they called in the lone practicing physician in Salem and he diagnosed the girls with quote the evil hand (laughs) which I I assume is the hand of Satan so the people of Salem were kind of like hungry for this witchcraft thing because apparently the ministers in New England had been on the lookout for a long time for signs of the apocalypse and the book of Revelation predicted the devil would descend accompanied by quote infernal fiends so basically this was a sign that they were right and that like the devil is near and the world was ending and the idea that salem had of witches were essentially women mostly who signed agreements with the devil in blood oh cute did he not have a pen like what the he's like do you mind cutting your finger and just uh giving me your john hancock he wasn't born yet. So witches were seen as usually women who made agreements with the devil in blood for like favors and stuff. Um, they thought that witches would do things like mess up your kitchen, enchant your beer, and sometimes... Enchant your beer? Yeah. And sometimes make cattle levitate, which is like really weird. Pretty tame in comparison to European witches, like legends in Europe. I read that they were mostly known for like orgies and stuff, so it's a little less extreme, but... They're they're a little more They're Puritan witches. (laughs) And yeah, so they were mostly women. Uh, An influential 15th century text... um, said that, quote, when a woman thinks alone, she thinks evil. <laughs> um, Bro. Uh, in 1656, a woman was hanged for witchcraft in Massachusetts because she was, she committed the capital offense of, quote, having more wit than her neighbors. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. She was smarter than me, so she must be a witch. What the? F- yeah. They were threatened by women. So, okay, so they're praying for these girls. Nothing helped. The doctor came, diagnosed them with the evil hand of Satan. And then some other young girls started experiencing the same symptoms. And 
in late February, the the magistrates, the officials in the town were like, come on, like, we got to figure something out. So they interrogated the girls and the girls blamed three women for afflicting them with this, like, evil curse. So the three women that they accused of bewitching them were Tituba, the... um. A woman who was enslaved by Reverend Parrish's family. She's from the Caribbean. And then two women, Sarah Good, who was a homeless beggar, and Sarah Osborne, an elderly, impoverished woman who had a bad reputation because I guess she had a relationship with an indentured servant. That just makes me mad because I feel like they're just tackling like people that or minorities, or, like, misfits, Mm -hmm. or whatever. Exactly. People who didn't really have a lot of power in the first place. Yeah. So, in on March 1st, 1692, these three women were interrogated by officials. They all said they were innocent. Um, And then, after a while, Tituba made a confession, probably because they were, like, threatening her. And she had no power because she was enslaved. And she said, quote, The devil came to me and bid me serve him. And she talked about black dogs, red cats, yellow birds, and a, quote, black man who wanted her to sign his book. And then she said she signed the book, and there were several other witches who also signed the book, including, I think it, I think she said it included the other Sarahs. So she signed the book with other witches, and then all the three women were put in jail. And so then this, this launched this huge paranoia, so everyone in the community was suddenly like a witch, and people were, there were accusations left and right. There was one woman named Martha Corey who was, like, an upstanding loyal church member who was accused. And people were like, oh, my God, if Martha can be accused of a witch, then anyone can be a witch. She is the pillar of the community, though, so I don't blame them. Right, exactly. It's always the pillar of the community. Even Sarah Good's four-year-old daughter, Dorothy, was found guilty of being witch. Dorothy, no. Four years old. And ultimately, between 144 and 185 people were accused of witchcraft in 25 villages and towns. So it, like, spread from Salem. Husbands accused their wives, daughters, their mothers, siblings. And one minister discovered that he was related to 20 different witches. Pretty impressive, honestly. Yeah. That's something you can brag about at parties. Actually, yeah. no. He would he would probably be like, no, I don't know. No, I don't what? Know. Who? Who? No. And what one thing that's kind of interesting is that many of the people who were accused of witchcraft were enemies of some of the powerful, like commerce-oriented families. Of course they so were. So it's kind of like suspicious. Of course they were. Mm-hmm. So all these people were being accused. They were b- being brought in for questioning. So on May twenty seventh, sixteen ninety two. All of this started in January, so now it's May. The governor of Massachusetts, William Phipps, ordered the establishment of a special court of oyer, which means to hear, and terminer, which means to decide, for the counties where this was happening. And he brought in nine nine people to be on the on the court. Okay. And the first hearing that they did was of a woman named Bridget Bishop who was an older woman known for her gossipy habits and promiscuity, whatever that means, back in Puritan, Massachusetts. She showed her ankles. Yeah, probably. And when asked if she committed witchcraft, she responded, I am as innocent as the child unborn. But I guess they didn't really care because they hanged her on June 10th. She was the first person hanged. Dude! 
on Gallows Hill. And the people who were accused also were not allowed to have lawyers or anything defending them. So they kind of had to do it themselves, which (laughs) didn't really work very well. If, like, someone's mind is made up, they had no chance. Mm -hmm. So there were these two ministers in the community who were prominent. Um, This one was named Cotton Mather. And his father, who was also a minister, was named Increase Mather. That These people are fake. That's not their real names. Cotton and Increase. Cotton Cotton's mom's maiden name was Cotton. Oh, so I think okay. that might be why, but like Increase? Increase was it of in- what? Increase. Increase? Maybe. I, I honestly don't know. But Increase was president... <laughs> so weird increase was president of harvard for a long time that what no so um they wrote a lot about witchcraft they wrote like a shit ton of books like hundreds of books both of them on like random religious stuff and that included a lot of books on witchcraft and during the trials cotton mather wrote a letter telling the court that they shouldn't allow spectral evidence which is like dreams and visions and stuff that like you can't really prove he was like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't like convict people and stuff like this. But mm-hmm. also he believed in witches. So he was kind of like, he flip-flopped the whole time, basically. He was kind of wishy-washy. So there are all these crazy stories that I won't really go into. Like there's one where an older woman named Anne was accused of being a witch. And then her daughter was also accused. And then her daughter. So it was like three generations of the same family. And they had this like weird story about communing with the devil in a forest they flew to on a pole it's like really strange on a pole stuff i don't i don't really know but <laughs> they yeeted they pole vaulted <laughs> they pole they pole vaulted to the forest with the devil uh, and <laughs> come with me yeah essentially that's what they told the court they did yeah there was this other guy who was accused named george burroughs he was like him and a few other men were and george burroughs was a minister as well and he was convicted of being the ringleader of the witches like okay so they they hanged him but right when he went up to the gallows and they were about to do it he recited the lord's prayer perfectly and that's something that witches were supposed to not be able to do and so the whole crowd was like oh my god like what if he's innocent what if he's not a witch and then Cotton Mather rides in and he's like, no, this man is a witch or a wizard. I don't know what they call him. Yeah. And he was like, he was actually never ordained and it's the devil pretending to, quote, be an angel of light kind of thing. And so then the people were like, okay. So then they hanged him. That makes me so mad. I know. I'm making mad too. So everyone was like super paranoid if like your spouse was accused of witchcraft and you visited them in jail too often you would be accused of witchcraft like everyone was at any time you could be accused so people were freaking out as they should and there was just a lot of discussion on how this should be going like cotton mather and increase both wrote books on witchcraft at the same time during all of this and cotton was like um he didn't really care if innocent people were condemned mm-hmm. whereas his father was like it, it it would be better if witches escape than if we kill innocent people yeah i agree yeah i 
I do too. Well, I think the death penalty is wrong in every case. Yeah. But so eventually, um, the governor, Phipps, he, his own wife started being questioned for witchcraft. And he was like, okay, this is, this has gone too far. What? Hey guys, let's <laughs> simmer down. Okay. Like with yeah. no need to point fingers. Right. And in response to the Mathers who were like, you know, you shouldn't, or increase at least was like, you shouldn't be condemning innocent people. He prohibited further arrests and released many people who were accused of being witches and dissolved the court, the special court, on October 29th. So this had been going on for almost a year. It started in January and ended in, like, October. Throughout the year, five people were sentenced and hanged in July, five more in August, and eight in September. And then it continued. So the governor replaced the special court with a different court, which banned evidence talking about dreams and visions and stuff and only condemned three out of the 56 people who were still accused of being witches and the governor eventually pardoned everyone who was in prison on witchcraft charges by may of the next year but throughout this whole thing 19 people were hanged on gallows hill five died in custody and a 71-year-old man was pressed to death with heavy stones. No! Several people died in jail, and nearly 200 people had been accused of practicing witchcraft overall, and also were convicted and murdered or killed. What the fuck? I don't really understand. It was 14 women, 5 men, and 2 dogs. Why did they have to... The dog... Dogs don't do anything wrong. They're just, they love you no. and they're so sweet and they're all so good. We don't deserve them. <sighs> yeah. They didn't deserve that. So after after all of this went down, people basically talked shit about Cotton Mather and he had like a really bad reputation. Um, random fact, later he tried to get people to support like vaccination for smallpox. But so I don't know, like, he was into that, but then... The Puritans were like, no, we don't like that. And then they hated him more. And someone like threw a bomb in his window one time. I, I don't, it didn't kill him, but I didn't anyway. know they could have vaccines back then. It was like um, inoculation of some kind. I'm not sure if it was with a needle. So after this whole debacle, many people publicly confessed that they were wrong about the whole thing, including some judges. And in January of 1697, the General Court of Massachusetts ordered a day of fasting and soul-searching for the tragedy of Salem. In 1702, the court declared that the witch trials were illegal. And in 1711, Massachusetts passed a bill that gave the victims the rights, their rights and good names back, and they gave 600 pounds to their heirs. So, wow. reparations. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Guess what year Massachusetts formally apologized for the witch trials? 2007. Almost. 1957. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was, I was off by 50 years. Yeah, you weren't too far out, honestly. Um, but it wasn't until 2001 that the last 11 of the convicted people were fully exonerated. What the heck? <laughs> that's like that's three hundred plus years, dude. <laughs> mm. Okay, all right. Well, at least like eventually, I don't even know. Yeah. Okay. And as you mentioned, it's kind of popped up a lot in popular culture. So the Crucible is an allegory for McCarthyism, which kind of um, 
which, you know, talks about the paranoia of the 60s. Um, and But people for a long time have been like, what was actually going on with these girls who were like doing all the weird stuff? Mm-hmm. And one of the most concrete studies published in 1976 blamed these like weird symptoms on a fungus called ergot 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 mm-hmm. yeah um which is found in rye wheat and other cereal grasses mm, yeah and eating foods contaminated with ergot can lead to muscle spasms vomiting delusions and hallucinations well there you have it folks yeah. i've been eating ergot <laughs> oh god and the fungus thrives in warm and damp climates so kind of like salem and lsd is actually made from ergot uh, no, I do not associate with ergot. Um, and the abuses of the Salem witch trials actually changed the U.S. court system and played a role in granting people the right to legal representation, cross-examination, and presumption of innocence um, first rather than guilt. So Nice. Yeah, that's the Salem witch trials. Awesome. That makes me so angry. I I just remember hearing that it's like you could literally accuse someone for witchcraft for anything and then like it would just spiral. It's like, oh, she had a pimple. Right. Like, Like, I know we would both be accused of witchcraft in Salem in 1692. Oh, we would have been the first to go. It's like that girl smells like salami and that (laughs) one is too pretty. So obviously they got to go. So like, did they ever find Satan? Like, did he... What was no, he up to? I don't, I don't know. I mean, he's really the one who got away here. The one who got away. That was a good one. So thank you. I I really don't think I would have survived the Salem witch trials. Yeah, the, keep a lookout for the devil himself. You never know. You never know. <laughs> he is among us. And uh, anyway, so thanks for for listening this concludes the first four the first four of our stories so next week we will go back to paranormal yay spooky if you have ideas for things we can talk about or your own stories about any topics that we've covered already you can send us an email at the insomnia report at gmail.com we want to start collecting your stories so we can read a listener edition of your insomnia reports email us please we would love to share those and and collect those we want to read those on the 15th of the month thank you to everyone who has you know reached out to us given us feedback or just listened It, it really means a lot to us so you know you guys rock and feel free to like share subscribe do you want to tell them how to find us yeah and rate us please on Apple Podcasts. Yes. You can like us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at The Insomnia Report. And yeah, our cover art is by Erica Chase. Our music is composed by Colin Whitlish and production is by Justin Toom. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next time. Stay sleepy. Stay spooky. I, I I still don't remember what we say. Stay Both. alert for Satan. Um, have a happy Halloween. This will come out before Halloween. 
Be oh, safe. Yeah. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Don't eat weird candy from strangers. That's the whole oh, no, premise of a Halloween. <laughs> Do, did you not? <laughs> sorry. Thank you again for listening. I'm Margot. And I'm Elizabeth. And this was the Insomnia Report, episode four. Next week is paranormal. Good night. Good night. Sweet dreams. Happy Halloween. <laughs>